Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome. A new week, y'all. It is officially March. Mm-hmm. We've been here for a year. How are you feeling a year in, Corinne? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Why would I want to lie? <laughs> uh, okay. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Um... How am I feeling a year into this? Um, extremely frustrated. Mm. Extremely frustrated, especially with lockdown 2.0 in Toronto. Mm. <sighs> because they just constantly, continuously expand the lockdown or extend the lockdown, I should say, without offering anything. And I don't mean like giving us things. I mean, like they're not changing. And I, by they, I mean the provincial government. Nothing is changing. They're not doing anything more to like actually combat COVID cases. They're just like, stay home. Mm-hmm. Stay home, do your part. If you don't stay home, you're a fucking asshole and you're killing people. Yeah, I'm getting really tired of being told, do your part. Yeah, like Doug Ford, you're a fucking blubbering idiot and obviously have no idea what you're doing. So just like pass it off, pick someone else. I don't care. But like, you can't just tell people to stay home, but then like, Maybe you could tell me to stay home if you're like, we're expanding testing, we're expanding quarantine hotels. If you get sick and you live with people, you can go somewhere else. Here's money. Like they're not doing anything to support the people that actually have to stay home. Mm, Yeah. And in his press conference last week, when this episode comes out last Wednesday, he was literally specifically asked about paid sick days for PSWs, personal support workers, not just general public, for PSWs, for people that have to work with sick people. Mm -hmm and usually elder people or people with disabilities, he literally passed the question off to someone else. He literally did this. No one can see me. (laughs) He literally just like looked to his side and the woman next to him who, I don't know what she does, don't care. She danced around the question and just like kept talking about how like there's so, so much high turnover in PSWs that they're trying to make it a great job. And I'm like, but you didn't answer the question. Are you going to implement paid sick days? Mm. And then they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. So it's driving me fucking nuts. And I kind of like, this is the like big thing for me. I'm like, how long can they expect people to follow public health guidelines and restrictions when they're not doing anything? Mm. Like at what point are people going to become extremely frustrated and just do whatever the fuck they want? I think it's already happened. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people already are starting to give no fucks. And I'm going to say this right now. It's going to get a little bit warm out and it's about to happen this month. Yeah. You're not going to be able to control people anymore. They're done. It's been a year. They're yeah. over it. You've done a fucked up job. Isn't he up for re-election soon too? Two years. we got two more years. Oh, I know. I was just asking a friend about this, actually. I was like, can you recall a premier? What's like, <laughs> what's the thing about this? And they, they basically explained to me that it's like a really long and complicated process. And unfortunately the conservatives have like a super majority in the house right now. So it would be mm. really, really hard. Right. And I was like, yeah. hmm. <laughs> they also, <laughs> um, what, how much did they spend on the bracelets? Corinne, let's talk oh, about $2.5 million on a fucking bracelet that beeps if you get too close to somebody. I'm sorry. We have something. It's called a phone and a Google uh, already invented that. So... <laughs> Yeah. I don't really know what to say about that. Also, like, how is that helpful at all? He's like, we thought it would be, uh, you know, we thought it would be useful. So we think 
someone's not doing their research in your team if they thought genuinely $2.5 million was accurately going to an accessory <laughs> that was already invented, you fuckface. <laughs> How will you put that like $2.5 million into testing, into expanding testing? Or, oh my God, the, the vaccines. Vac the vaccine rollout is driving me nuts. Okay, we need to stop. We need to stop. <laughs> we can't keep going on. I, I've been in a spiral for like two days about it. I'm, yeah, I just can't. I can't. If you don't live in Ontario, we're really sorry. I mean, I know this is a completely different topic, but it's starting to get real frustrating. And I'm assuming wherever you live as well, you're starting to feel a little bit the same. The same. Yeah, fucking stupid. It's stupid. I've been here for a year. I'm starting to feel very worthless. Um, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, mm -hmm. but it's funny to laugh about when it's just so sad. Um, it just like makes me so, oh, and the pharmacare thing that, did you see that? Uh -huh. We're not handling it well. Canada went from like being okay, dealing with it okayly yes. to being very, very, very low on the totem pole within six months. It felt like, yeah, it feels like, sorry. Yeah. Um, just one last point. Did you know that in the early 2000s, the Harper government basically dismantled and got rid of all um, pharmaceutical like testing and research labs? And that's why we can't really produce our own vaccines right now. You know, after like whatever SARS happened back then, he was like, yeah, we don't need this. Right. Let's gut public health. And that's why we have to get our vaccines elsewhere. And that's why it's so slow. Yeah. So crazy and everybody's so crazy. blaming trudeau when that's not really what happened you can blame the conservative government again <laughs> yeah you can blame for all those conservative voters yeah oh, god um that being said okay, we're done with our government <laughs> rant <laughs> a few updates that have happened in the past uh week yes um if you've been following us you know that we have been kind of keeping updated on what's been happening with the dance maker situation yes in brief dance makers announced that it would be closing its doors um at the end of this um business year so not not necessarily saying december but it would be done um in this summer of 2021 yep. um it obviously hasn't been open because of the pandemic they wouldn't be using the space at all come december 1st the lease was up or mm -hmm. december 31st i think yeah. Um, but they were going to continue going and Natasha Powell was hired on as artistic director to help curate the, the final year. Yes. What happened after that, the unpause group came through, which is a group of community um, leaders and dancers, um, and started a petition because dance makers is such a, um, statue and such a, uh, a place in the, um, Canadian dance community, specifically in Toronto. Yeah. Um, they said we couldn't really lose this space anymore. We couldn't lose this organization. So um, the board was transferred over to a brand new board, which included um, some new members. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's kind of been a little bit in, in limbo of what was going to happen. Yeah. But we just got an update the other day, which is saying that the company is looking for new ways um to get up and running again um and finding partnerships but it because of like the rent in the distillery district and because uh landlords are being <clears throat> fuck faces uh it's <laughs> becoming the rent is too high so they are leaving the distillery district yeah and with that they have also because of the change in 
programming, when you sign on for one thing, you think it's going to be done. Um, Natasha Powell has stepped down as artistic director. Mm -hmm. So that's the update on what's happening there. I'm interested to see. I'm, I'm happy that their dance makers is continuing as an organization and hopefully in a post pandemic life, we are able to find a space that, you know, still is as beautiful and wonderful as that distillery one, that distillery yeah. location was. Um, but it's it, it's nice to see that our community is making like a difference and standing up and there are yeah. some new gener kind of like what we were talking about actually with Krista in this interview about oh, yeah. this like new generation kind of coming in and taking on these roles where yeah. maybe some the older generation is getting tired of of right. being there. So the status quo is no longer yeah, good enough. It feels like this new kind of younger generation is coming in and just saving and helping yeah. pass the toll to take on the these buildings and these organizations that are definitely needed within the community. Totally. Um, yeah, it's exciting. It's kind of exciting. I'm like sad to lose the space, obviously, because they had like three, three big studios, a wonderful green room, lots of space, a black box theater, mm -hmm. you know, and it was quite affordable for emerging and young artists. And that'll be sad because it'll be like, it'll be really hard to find a space like that again. Um, yeah. But excited to see what kind of programming comes in maybe they partner with different places all over the city so you can kind of yeah. like they mentioned little, that mm -hmm. yeah so excited to see what happens yes um, but the other thing that happened was announced this week that if you are a theater person or a fringe festival person fringe has announced that they are going completely digital for this summer's festival for the second year in a row i don't know I understand because, you know, Toronto has said that no events until July 1st, that's their mm -hmm. latest update. Yeah. I get it, but maybe they're finding a new way to do it. But I just know being a part of the festival last year, two years ago, last year, Oh yeah. Through the digital yeah. platform, it Sorry. wasn't, um, <clears throat> it, it, it wasn't, I didn't find it very successful. Mm -hmm. No, I don't think that it, yeah, I didn't find it very successful. Who wants to watch something in their house in the middle of July, at the end of July on yeah. a screen? I don't know. I didn't. And I heard year. like rumblings for a little bit there that they were thinking of doing um, some outdoor. more like sites outdoor, site specific, yes. which was going to be so, so interesting to me because mm -hmm. it really, first of all, it like is a new form of theater that our entire community was going to have to like learn how to do. Yep. modify, create for, and I was really excited because site-specific and immersive and all these works are like, I mean, I'm personally really passionate about them. That was what my thesis was about. Yeah. But also it's like a new way to work. And I think that these new ways to work, we're going to provide so much like culture and um, depth in our community. And it would have been yep. so interesting. And I, I am disappointed that we decided to go on digital. Yeah. I mean, I understand the legislature, I mean, like the logistically, it's probably way easier. Yeah, a nightmare. A, they wouldn't have been able to have as many mm -hmm. shows, probably. Mm -hmm. How do they control who's walking by on the street, who pays for tickets? That's always like a bit of an issue. Right. How do they control how people are standing around? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a logistical nightmare, but I, I am disappointed that it's yeah. doing that. I don't, I, I'm disappointed with you as well. And just like, when you're like, how do you control like how people are viewing it? When I'm like, isn't that the point of like sites specific and immersive things that there's like not really that control over your audience? Isn't that like an important part of it? Also, I think like, let's be honest, Fringe has a massive budget. 
And if they, they can afford, well, I would assume think about how many theaters they are able to afford. If they're right. able to afford these theaters, I think that there's ways that you can take this money instead of investing it in the rent to the orgs and the theaters that these pieces are going to do. Right. And you can invest it into creating like to working outdoor spaces, you know, like mm -hmm. walls, um, little stages. There's like ways to make it work in the round. Right. You can set up like kind of like a barricade or a wall. You, like, you could commission literally visual artists to create stages, these stages, performance places. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm disappointed because it doesn't feel, it feels like the easy way out which is not what I hope for from my fringe mm -hmm. board. Yeah, definitely. It also feels like, A, the easy way out. And just like, I don't really, like, this is a huge blanket statement and might make some people like, just tisk at me. But like, if we're being honest about like the kind of art that's made in Toronto, it's not that risky most of the time. No, exactly. So like for them to take a huge risk like that would have been... It would have been out great. of character. It would have been yeah. amazing. Would have been amazing, but probably out of character for an yeah. organization in the city of Toronto that's been around so long. I said it. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's it's <laughs> upsetting that it's happening, and it's. I'm a little bit disappointed with their decision, and maybe it's just they're worried about preparing for that, spending the money, and then the government saying, "JK, no, nothing JK, no, till no December." Over ten person gatherings, you know, like I. Yeah. I do want to say that I, I understand if that's what they're concerned about. Like, like we've talked about before, obviously our government is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So I understand where, where their fear is within that, but yeah, it's just upsetting, especially like in New York, we're looking at New York and places like LA as well that are, were so affected by this pandemic, so affected mm -hmm. and, and seeing how they're opening. I mean, Granted, New York is doing freaking crazy cool. also LA is still pretty closed down and bananas right now they don't give a fuck there's people just like they're supposed to be closed down but they're not oh yeah 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 um anyway it's just like disappointing I think that I wish that I don't know I just wish that we were we were more open because it's really hard being in Toronto and seeing people that are able to like continue with their lives and haven't had as big a break as us and I think it's just it's been it's challenging I was really looking forward to this summer to to start getting things going again, even if it was working in a completely new way, like site-specific work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, Same. Disappointing. But, but if you are part of Fringe and you're taking this opportunity to make digital work, do it exactly the way you want it to. Yeah. Be crazy with it. Take some risks, you know? We support you. That being said, you guys, like always, our Patreon page is live. If you yeah. subscribe for $1 a month, you get access to every single video episode that we do, which is four a month. Yeah. And not to be a complete like wink, wink, but we have some fun stuff coming. Wink, and wink. A wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some fun stuff coming. So go to our Patreon. It's an app. It's like a monthly subscription. You can donate a dollar. You can donate $3. You can donate $5. We've yep. had lots of interest in people that have... Um, just don't like monthly just subscriptions or they want to um, find ways to support us in, in a different without way. being a part of the app. So if yeah. that is what you're thinking, if you're unsure, it's hard to be committing to a monthly subscription, send us an email, send us a message. We're able to actually send you an invoice through our PayPal account mm -hmm. and you can support us in that way. And you'll still get like a little cute little card from us. And um, yeah. it's always really nice to hear from you as well. Totally. And if you want someone to walk you through the Patreon website and help you figure it out. I'll fucking do that. We can Zoom. I'll FaceTime you. 
Yeah. Let's hang out. Yeah. Let's hang out. This week, who do we have, Brainy? We have a reunion. Oh my God. We have Krista. Ah. This was our first, I guess our first distance one, right? Because Krista's right in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we've had a couple of distance within Ontario, I think. Yes. And oh, New York and stuff, but not um, not out west yet. Not out west. Krista. And it's so nice because I mean we you hear about it in the interview. But like we danced with Krista, we went to school with Krista. Yep. Corinne and I obviously both live here now. Um, but it's interesting hearing about what's happening um in that community that we lived in for a while. And it's it's interesting to talk with someone we danced with and just like it's so funny to talk knowing now, like it's you know, we've been out of university, we've been out of dancing with that company for a while. So it, it's just interesting to see everybody how they are now. It's cool. It is cool. And like, Chris is the best and she's hilarious. And yeah, she's amazing. She's doing really amazing things for the community of Calgary, which don't go unnoticed. Yeah, totally. Here we go. Hi, I'm Krista Ah. I am a dance artist and dance professional in Calgary, Alberta. Awesome. Yay. Yay. Um, Krista, we're so excited to have you because, I mean, we rarely get to speak to people that we've known for so long and that um, we all shared, like we all went to university together and danced together. So it's, it's really nice that we get to connect with people from like our past almost. It's, it's really nice that we're able to do this because of the Zoom option. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. I'm very excited to be here. I'm so pumped. It's crazy to hear episodes and hearing you guys talk about your time in Calgary. And then there's that additional connection. And I just love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. And it, it is kind of weird. I mean, I really, I did like my time in Calgary, but I do feel like a lot of the information <laughs> that we discuss on here is just because we live here now. And because when we look back on it, and obviously there is that like little thing in the back of your head. It set, it tends to be negative, but there were good moments like dancing with you, of course. Yeah, I think a professional would call that trauma. Yeah. <laughs> like just hanging out back. I feel the same way, but I'm still in Calgary. So there's gotta be something that's yeah. here. It's I, crazy. Uh, also, I think you're our first guest that's not living in Toronto, Krista, just num- number one. Yeah. Oh yeah, this yeah, is- I've never even been to Toronto. Well, I've been in the airport, but I don't know if that really counts. It counts. Did you I never love- you never came out with like the tomorrows? No, they went oh. on one trip that I didn't go on. I was in university working five jobs and had no money. <laughs> so I couldn't fight. <laughs> there's been a few times where I've wanted to come out and kind of started planning some sort of trip just to see what Toronto is like and see if there's anything from Toronto that I could bring back here to Calgary and kind of incorporate into all of my mm-hmm. things. But mm-hmm. again, money and then pandemic and all those things. So mm-hmm. one day. Yeah. You are doing something pretty interesting in Calgary. You, you started a platform. Um, and can you explain just a little bit what the platform in Calgary, because it's specifically Calgary based, am I right? Yes. Calgary yeah. and surrounding areas is mm-hmm. how I like to classify it. So yeah, created this platform or initiative, Dance YYC Community Outreach and Engagement is our official name. It started off just as what is everybody missing? What are the things that are popping up on Facebook that have already passed that I had no idea about? Because that was kind of the main feedback I was getting from other community members and artists is that was an issue. So it started out as just an organized way to see everything that was going on, free to post on it. It's all in a calendar format, easy to do. 
Uh, you can sign up for a weekly newsletter to see what's going on that week so you're not missing out on anything. And then it's just grown since then. So we have a list of class sessions that you can take in and around the city. We have a professional catalog that has instructors, choreographers, performers, dance photographers and videographers. We're gonna get um, organizations and resources on there soon. We, can, we have a scholarship that we're building up for the younger folk. We have a whole lot of things. We have a store, <laughs> that's crazy. Wow. We just started a community blog. Yeah, so it's just trying to fill in all those areas that can really help elevate the community and get it out of this complacent um, sense that everyone has kind of given up on it. Because like, what do we do? Right. Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, cruising along. And a lot of the uh, older generations are like, well, kind of good luck. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's when are you so moving accurate. to Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> that is the most accurate statement. That is exactly yeah. good luck. <laughs> your like exit interview at U of C they're like oh yeah we don't know sorry Good yeah. luck. I don't know what's next you figure it out yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> when did you first start to notice the complacency were you still in school Krista yeah probably hearing all the <laughs> teachers and professors and professionals saying well it's either this this or you're moving and so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm moving. And then I met the Tomorrows and found this great group and thought, well, I guess I'm staying in Calgary. How can I make this work? Because <laughs> I have to what, make it work. What is the Tomorrows? Do you want to just refer? Oh, uh, yeah. The Tomorrows is a performing hip hop crew. Sometimes we do workshops. We don't do a lot right now. No, we haven't had a rehearsal in a minute, <laughs> but it still exists as an entity. Yeah, it's a hip hop crew. We do performances, um, we host workshops. It's just Calgary based. Yeah. And it was founded by Lenny Len, who's in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And our leader, our commander-in-chief is Sean Butler, another local artist here in Calgary. Yeah. Um, you touched on it briefly about why you like started, if it was like a lot of people were just missing events and things that were happening. Um, but I, like you said, like a lot of people in the area were obviously noticing that they were missing these events and they needed kind of one platform to go to to check their weekly schedule and to plan it ahead. Um, what was the motivation that made you think that it was your job to do it? I was sitting in a classroom because I also have a college diploma in graphic design, mm -hmm. just to expand on my minor of communications. And I was sitting in class one day and professor was going off about web design. And I was thinking it would probably be incredibly convenient for me if I just had everything in one place to find everything organized and ready to go. And then as he's providing this information on how I could do that in a website format, I thought, well, maybe others can too. So that's when I started reaching out to people and asking, is this something that you'd be interested in? Because I knew that if I went forward with it, then it would be my responsibility to take the price, you know, do the work, follow up. Do I have the time? <laughs> that's always a question I need to ask myself. Do I have the time? Yeah, I just kind of had the knowledge and the idea. And so I asked around if it would be beneficial to other people. And I got enough yeses to say, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, how much has it grown since it first started? Have, are you able at this point, are you grant funded or are you able that like the money coming in is also paying for the website and everything? Or are you still kind of almost breaking even to not at all? Oof. Uh, <laughs> that wasn't a negative question. <laughs> no, I know. 
grant funding, especially um, your guys' episode a couple weeks ago. I've been really <laughs> thinking about grant funding and this love-hate relationship that I have with it. And I'm not the only one, apparently, because nope. again, it's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of it comes out of my pocket. Uh, a grant that we recently got was for the app that we're mm -hmm. getting ready to launch. We got to start as started with that we're still looking for money but mm -hmm. not every grant wants to give us money to elevate the entire community don't yeah. know why choices <laughs> uh but yeah it's the shop and donations i mean right now we're set for uh the um what do i use adobe dreamweaver because mm -hmm. i have to hand code everything to get the specificity that i want with wow. the website yeah, so it's a lot of time on my end. If we're gonna count the hours that I put in, then Dance While I See is severely in debt. <laughs> but we're not gonna count that. <laughs> right. So, so I'm just you... looking to cover the things that I am currently paying for to put yeah. it forward. And right now it's kind of on the brink of breaking even for the next six months. Cool. Right. And you're, you're doing all the coding yourself? Yes, I do HTML, HTLM5 coding with JavaScript. Holy wow. shit. <laughs> Coding is so crazy to me. It, it is, just, and it's very interesting. If you get one thing wrong or put a space in the wrong place, then it just messes everything up. It's so did you fun. did you teach yourself or did you learn it in like in your college? In college, yeah, graphic yeah. design learned it all there. Sometimes I have to look up codes because I can't remember everything. I mean, I'm one person. Right, totally. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it's just such an interesting thing to me how people can like teach it to themselves and and learn to code and it's a skill that I wish that I mean it's such a skill that's being brought into schools and institutions now more and more but it's definitely a skill that I wish I had learned at some point in my life I guess I could still teach myself but it just feels like it's it's very daunting coding yeah, yeah. I can see that it helps to have some sort of basis of knowledge of what coding is and then from there it's easily googleable and mm. youtubeable Mm. Yeah. Okay. You just need that base, the foundation to build the house of coding on for yourself. <laughs> when, when did you decide, decide to do it as an app, Krista? Pretty shortly after I launched Dance YYC, um, partly because it was a lot of work for me. <laughs> and an app would kind of just be self-sustaining. But also there was a lot of things that a website can't do that an app could that could really help level up. Like in terms of small things, including... Uh, we have a notification where if you're a teacher and your profile also has teacher underneath it, you can go in and set out a request for a substitute teacher and it'll be a push notification directly to the phone. So instead of getting some sort of vague notification on your Facebook amongst the other 50 that you get a day and maybe you missed a paid opportunity. Right. So things like that where it just kind of replaces all the things that algorithm based social media sites like Facebook and Instagram kind of don't help out with the arts community. It just mm. is not the place for it to thrive. That's so cool. Through the, sorry, I just have another question about the app. Through the app, are people also allowed to make their, I'm assuming through the website, they like send postings or do they make their own postings and then they have to be approved someone by someone? They get sent to me for the website. Right. And then I hand code it all in. <laughs> so yeah, with the app, they'll be able to put it in themselves. And then I will be kind of on the back end, just kind of sending it to workshop, show, event, right. that sort of thing. If there's an audition that they want to put on there, that's cool too. That's another thing we do on the website, but more people would be able to put it in themselves, other job opportunities, call for artists, that sort of thing. And then the professional portfolio will be their own thing that they could also do bookings through. Amazing. 
Yeah. Wow. So cool. It really is. Yeah. I feel like, why is it hard for you to get money right now? That seemed like, what the fuck? I don't know. There's a certain grant organization that just really does not want to give us anything. And I don't know if it's a, you're our competitor type thing, or if they're just, there's so many lists of things that go through my mind. Why can't you even just give me a dollar? Yeah. (laughs) I've sent you a lot of great ideas with well thought out grants. By the way, I'm talking about it, grant writings. (laughs) Yeah. You can't even give me a dollar. Come on. Are you only applying through arts programs? Are you also applying through um, like app, like through other, not just arts, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So this one that I got, well, I guess it technically it's a digital strategic fund yeah. from Canada Council, shout out Canada Council. <laughs> oh. uh, so that was one that was actually thrown in my direction of like, hey, this might be something you'd be interested in going forward in the app and it severely helped. So shout yeah. out to that person. And yeah, so it's mostly just been art space, but I've also been looking at investor applications, right. kind of not keen on big investment firms kind of getting their hands in the honeypot of the dance community. So mm. I'm mostly looking at uh, sponsorship opportunities, trying to reach out to people like, what do you need out of a right. sponsorship opportunity that I could provide to you? And let's, let's talk it out. Yeah. It feels like I don't know like- what people need with pandemic you know, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess pandemics kind of is a hard way because I mean, small businesses, studios and other people that might be more willing to donate are obviously also struggling right now, but it does feel like um, institutions and studios like Freehouse and DJD, this seems like an excellent opportunity for them to advertise their classes and offer some sort of like, it it feels like a good opportunity for them to get involved in this, you know? Yeah, I've definitely gotten enough feedback and confirmation that this, this is it. This is the next step. And I'm hoping that the more people I reach out to, the more that will be like, yes, I agree. Put my name on it. (laughs) Here's some money. Let's get this going. But it's a, it's a slow process. It's a lot of patience and similar to a grant. But again, as you guys were talking about a a couple episodes ago, it's not guaranteed money. Yeah, no. So of course I'm also thinking, well, what can I do to put more of my money towards it? And I need to not think that way. (laughs) (laughs) I also have bills and I need to eat food and I need to put gas in my car. I mean, also at the same time, like you're not the only one that's going to be using this app, right? Like if, once it's final, when it's finally finalized, it's going to be every dancer in the community, every teacher in the community is going to be utilizing it. Yeah. So I think it's it's important that people, especially like community members, remember that like, you know, it's not just like up to you to bring the money forward. If you're going to use the app, then like you also need to help contribute to the making of it, right? Right. Yeah. How much do you think, because um, you will charge for it if when it's eventually a thing, a flower. <laughs> a flower, that's pretty. Uh, <laughs> it'll be free to download and to make a profile, but you there's opportunities to do additional advertisements in the app. And then if you want to upgrade in order to do uh, bookings within the app, if you want to set up your professional portfolio that way, then you would have to upgrade by paying. Mm, but it is okay. free to download and still get the information of what's going on in the community, save events, get notifications on discount deadlines. So you're saving all the money that you can get. Mm. And you'll see all the auditions and all other opportunities. 
it's just the upgrade and additional um, uh, advertisement. Right. So it's affordable, it's accessible. That's a huge thing for us is accessibility. Mm -hmm. Totally. So we want to make sure that that's something we stick to. Wow. So it's going to be so useful when it's made. <laughs> I'm so excited really for you. Is. I really hope it like, I mean, I'm so excited for it to be a thing. And then I, I hope you can like expand it to other regions and other areas because I think it's I've been thinking of that too. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's something that's necessary in the entire dance community, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A huge thing that has changed in um, me believing in myself is <laughs> go back like a year where I'm thinking of going to Toronto, maybe I'll be on Gal Power Production <laughs> podcast, who knows? And I'll see what's there that I can bring back to Calgary. Mm -hmm. But since revisiting this app and thinking this is it, now it's what if I go there and I can help them mm -hmm. and fill these spaces that maybe they haven't thought about. Cause I've been, I have the time and I'm involved in a different, a lot of different avenues that I can have these conversations with various artists in the community that I have all this knowledge. And so if those are conversations that people don't have time to have, I have some of that in my brain ready to go. Mm. So I'm, this is about the art. This isn't about me. This isn't about dance while I see it. This is for the art. So I'm willing to spread that love and share that information to mm. people who have the right intentions. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <It's not me. laughs> um, I can see the people who don't have good intentions. I can oh. see y'all. <laughs> Isn't I hear about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's the truth. There's always people who are willing to hop in and steal your ideas. And that's just something that you have to hope karma does, does the job with. Yeah. Or just someone you really don't want to be at the head of such an initiative no. just because they have a bunch of Instagram followers or are deemed quote unquote popular. Yeah. <laughs> but then I hear stories of, oh yeah, they show up high when they're teaching, they're selling the kids that they suck and they walk out, oh. like those sort of things. I'm like, but do you really want to hire someone just because they have a bunch of Instagram followers and no. that's their etiquette? No, no, not at all. So we can't rely on Instagram. We can't rely <laughs> on Facebook <laughs> to determine who is a professional in the community. But you can check out the professional catalog on dancewyc.ca yeah <laughs> set up a portfolio on the app when it's out perfect all your credentials instead of followers it's amazing sips coffee yeah <laughs> sips tea um when we were talking to you about coming on krista um you sent us a little bit about how you were feeling about your own artistic um journey like as a dancer and you talked about um, sometimes feeling disregarded as like a teacher, as a dancer, as an educator, as, you know, wherever, wherever you place yourself in this community. Um, I have a question because you're from, because you're in Calgary and all the dancers there are primarily white or white passing, I would say. Um, how do you feel it has like encouraged you or disregarded you as a black woman? I haven't thought about that until the BLM movement, to mm. be honest. Mm. I always thought that me being kind of brushed aside or just overall disrespected was, I don't know, maybe because I was chunky, like I'm a chunkier dancer than those in my university classes and mm. things like that. I haven't really thought about it that deeply. Like, wow, is it really the color of my skin? Mm. Until the BLM movement and I started hearing more artist stories. 
yeah, I think that could be a reason. I honestly do. Thinking back, because this is, this has probably been going on that I've noticed since university. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in the relationship of person who's at quote unquote higher up than me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I think it might be that, which is interesting because a lot of, when I try to encourage maybe as you guys call them normie norms, like take a dance class or just, you know, explore. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't, I'm white. So is 99% of the people I dance with. I don't understand how that's a factor, but considering how immediate that answer is, I feel that the color of my skin does kind of give people some sort of, I don't want to say right, but it gives them some sort of power trip to be like, oh, well then. Yeah. I wonder if people like also assume the type of dancer you are because of the color that. of your skin. Yeah. Like if Rainy 100%. and I say it, we're I'm... dancers versus you saying you're a dancer. Yeah. In university, I think I was the jazz dancer because they said I was the jazz dancer in my Which contemporary is a program. Huge thing that happens at University of Calgary. If you don't fit into a jazz dancing slot or a contemporary, contemporary slot. um and by contemporary I mean the one style of contemporary um I think that they they like to pick and choose where you are and if you get put here then this group will not even look at you and if you get put here this group will not look at you and it's hard to find your place as a dancer in between the two groups yeah and I tried really hard for them to see me as a dancer I never consider myself as this type of dancer or whatever. So yes, I'm in a hip hop crew. I have a contemporary degree. I did the professional training program at DJD because I am a dancer. Right. Like there's just something from every style that I get differently for my soul. And it's not mm. up to someone else to determine what I am. And that even leaked into other students saying, oh, cause you're a jazz dancer. Like we're in a contemporary class right now. <laughs> you can look at me and say that I am a jazz dancer. Yeah. And I would say that the University of Calgary program is set up in such a way to categorize you. Like you can't take all styles. You because they overlap in time and time mm. slots. You literally yeah. can't. You're like, oh, I want to be as diverse as possible. Too bad. Pick a spot. Yeah. Pick a lane, Mary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Mary. <laughs> I just always use the name Mary. I don't know why. Pick a lane, Mary. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, I also think, yeah, because like you said, Corinne, like the jazz and the ballet are scheduled at the exact same time. Yeah. And then everybody takes contemporary. Yeah. Um, and the same three teachers for four years. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, that's very typical, I will say, of like dance departments. Like, that's not sure. where I find like the problematic issue is. I think the problematic issue I find is that it's so ingrained in the community and that university that even the professors who are supposed to be encouraging you to challenge yourself or explore new avenues are more concentrated on keeping you in one area mm. than pushing you to, to move to or challenge yourself, you know? Yeah. No, no. It's something I think about a lot when I think about when I reflect on my experience there at least yeah for sure at least for the first few years there's a lot of my fourth year that's kind of blocked out oh I'm working it out in therapy but (laughs) there's a lot that's been blocked out by that point I was very emotionally damaged and 
been dismissed a lot and it was it was a struggle to get through that final year and mm. sometimes I have nightmares about it mm-hmm. wow. I have nightmares that I was supposed to be in a course that I had no idea about until about halfway through and it's always the same professor <laughs> that I have to walk in on late that I haven't been to this class in weeks like it's traumatizing stuff like that but I try not to share that much information about university with other people because I also know that it's not like it's a fairly unique experience on my behalf. There was probably one other person in my year that was also getting kind of brushed aside and probably why I didn't automatically think that it could have been because of the color of my skin Mm. because she's white. But I knew it wasn't because of our skill. She's talented, I'm talented and not Mm -hmm. to you know, S my own D about it, but I was working harder than anybody else. And I don't mean I was always at the front of the class. I mean, I was taking on more than anyone else. I was doing more performances than anybody else, taking as much training as I possibly could, working several jobs. Like I put it on myself, obviously, Mm -hmm. but it was so that I could prove to them that this is serious for me. Because one of the first things that was said to me in first year by certain someone was that it seemed by the way I was dancing that I wasn't taking it seriously that I thought it was an easy way to get a bachelor of arts degree Mm. an easy way to get a bachelor of arts degree by dancing I would you think that's easy I didn't (laughs) that's an insane statement to make considering first first year and for in that first month, what are you doing? You're basically laying on the ground the entire time finding your center. How can you even make that fucking statement? That's an insane statement to make about someone who's literally horizontal 90% of your contemporary class. You're not trying down there. Yeah. Excuse me. I can see your abdomen is, it looks like you don't want to be here. What an insane statement to make. I know. And that, even within that first month, there was something on the floor. I was not familiar with floor work as many people were going into the university program. And I was trying to get help from this same person and I asked them a specific question and I tried to do the thing Mm. and they looked at me and walked away. (laughs) Cool, not even an answer, just eye contact. (laughs) Okay, guess I'll figure it out myself. Thanks for putting me in debt for my entire life so that you could just look at me and walk away. When you hear, you heard that comment, like you said, in the first year, first semester, how do you then push yourself to continue into the program? And what went through your brain that said, I need to do four years? Or are you immediately like, I need to rethink what this is? No, I knew I had to stick with it. Mm. There was just some sort of pull that drew me to dance in the first place. Because before that, I thought, I'll just take business because I'm good at math, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm good at math I guess but then I got drawn to dance to be a high school dance teacher which is not what I am at all (laughs) a bunch of times throughout my degree I didn't actually feel maybe I need a change until third year going into fourth year going into that traumatic stage because it was uh the back then it was the what did they call it concentration and choreography and performance stream Mm, which is now the uh fine arts degree Oh, interesting. Oh, they switched it. Yeah, it. yeah, it's officially switched. They have that as a thing now. I think it was the year after I left, they had a Bachelor of Fine Arts put in, which mm-hmm. is that same stream. Right. And they wouldn't give me a final answer of if I was actually in it or not. And I was going into fourth year. 
Yeah, and so I was dancing in Africa at the time, checking my emails every day, waiting for an answer. And I was like, well, this is what I wanted to graduate with. And they're clearly not caring to give me an answer. So I actually went into the university when I got back after having a meltdown, like I was going through a breakup. Yeah. <laughs> and I went in, talked to an advisor and I was actually gonna switch to have my major as communications and my minor as dance. Mm-hmm. So that I wow. could A, graduate on time. Yeah. I wanted to get done in the four years mm-hmm. and they're like oh it says right here that you're in that stream looks like they made the change a couple weeks ago and I yeah. thought nobody could tell me like I'm having an actual meltdown because you guys can't take me seriously as a student or an emerging artist and you can't even shoot me an email and you waited this long like mm-hmm. how many people were in the concentration at the time that they accepted from your year um let me count I don't understand why they would have taken so long to send those. I think there's about five or six others. There was not a lot. Yeah. Hmm. You know, graduating hmm. class in the dance program is significantly less than <laughs> starting off in first year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah there's yeah. just about five or six others. Two, three. Yeah, like five. I don't, I don't know how you guys did the stream, to be honest. I could barely make it through the regular program. <laughs> I, I like putting a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I like putting a lot on my plate. Apparently, that seems yeah. to be a theme with me. So I wanted that specificity on my yeah. pretty paper. Right. The stream was probably the most beneficial part because mm. it was more option to perform and create. Where I think if you didn't do the stream, you had to do another more courses. Is that right? Or you had oh, to do yeah. Something. I think there's more options that you have to take in certain categories. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I actually did, never thought about that until yeah. now. That was probably the most beneficial stream of the program for me because yeah. I've always thought the most beneficial part of that section of my training of life was being in PDP. Oh. Like that's where I found the most growth. Hmm. Yeah. Man. I think, Corinne, if you had had a better experience in those first, when do you start? See. Is it the fourth year you do the concentration? Third and fourth? Third year. Third year. Oh, yeah. I think if you had had a better experience in your two years, um, I think that you would have, pref- I think you would have actually enjoyed doing CNP. I now. Right. And I, on its, and hearing both of you talk about it, probably, mm-hmm. but I was also feeling like I wasn't supposed to be there, like Krista. Yeah. Like, us being in surge together, Krista and Rainey was like the highlight because finally I passed an audition mm. where I was like in a program supposed to be getting taught how to be a performer. And every single audition I went to was getting passed over until mm. even my fourth year when I was supposed to be on stage. Got right. cast as an understudy. <laughs> <laughs> so those like, I mean, both of you have been talking a lot about, you know, being disregarded or being passed over in auditions. Why? And I think that's a common thing that happens within dance institutions and like conservatories. Why do you think these, why do you think so many dancers feel that way? And why do you think so many dancers experience this kind of like disregard in institutions? Because of the people who are doing the disregarding. Mm. Those people that are in quote unquote power that think they have the authority to additional power over people, mm-hmm. I think it gets a little bit to their head. And mm. I think the way that you can hire or not hire or choose and not choose people for things. And I don't think that that's the way to do it. <laughs> it's okay. just, yeah, a disrespectful, dismissive, 
sort of way, that's not the way to do it. Like I had an audition for a professional company and hearing the response that other people got, also not great of, I'm not going to say who, but hearing things like we would hire you if you were a man, not a great answer. But when I get something just that's basically like, no, thanks. Bye. Oh, okay. Not even thanks for coming. We appreciated it. Yeah. Different way. Just no, thanks. Mm -hmm. Bye. Oh, okay. No yeah. reason? Nothing yeah. in particular? It's crazy. Anything you liked? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I mean, yeah, and Corinne, I want, I want to give you a chance to answer this as well, but I just want to respond to what Krista was saying. I think that these, like, people that are in charge of these institutions get lost in the factor because often they have their own thing happening. They have their own companies, they have their own dancing. They get lost in the idea of casting for their own company or for their own thing that they forget that your job as a teacher or as a professor is actually to help the students that are in the institution. You're able to do this thing because you're getting paid upwards of $120,000 a year. Yeah. So with because you make $120,000 a year with fucking benefits, by the way, or on tenure, um, then you need to also concentrate on what your job is specifically. This is what you're getting paid for. This is what's helping you do this thing. So you need to concentrate more on educating and helping and like fostering good dance skills and good future dance skills in students that are currently in your institution. Yeah. Which I think also includes like building the confidence of your dancers mm -hmm. and yeah. learning and teaching them how to turn around and like critique themselves in a way that is helpful to their skills and pushing them forward. Because right. that's what I felt like I was missing because it was the yeah. same, like three instructors, four instructors that also have companies outside of the program. So they're looking for people that also fit their companies. And I didn't fit that. Like I'm a short stocky dancer, you know, like I get gymnast before I get dancer most of the time because of like how I'm built. Um, I didn't fit that. And I never thought I'd be a dancer, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Toronto and on my first fucking audition of being here in two weeks, I fucking got it. So like, which was reaffirming in my choice, but yeah. I agree with Krista. It was the people in charge and they were not good teachers for the most part. They were, if you already had what they were looking for, you were, they were good teachers. Yeah. Right. But if you didn't, they didn't really care. Mm. And mm -hmm. I would say that most of them didn't teach me anything that I, I don't know. Mm. I'd say I taught myself a lot of the time. I was feeding off of other people's uh, feedback because I couldn't get any feedback. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. I would say the only person that gave me feedback that I found useful was Melanie. I don't yeah. know she gave me any feedback. Okay. I got feedback in jazz, but maybe that's because I'm the jazz dancer. I don't know. <laughs> I would even stand next to people in contemporary that would get feedback. I'm like, mm, mostly up to them. Then they have to see me. They're going to see something. No. <laughs> I remember going across the floor with, uh, <laughs> with one dancer who was a quote unquote favorite. And I was like, okay, let's go. I like how we, we all this. were like, know who it is. <laughs> yeah. With a quote unquote favorite. And I was going all out. And all they said was something about my partner. Oh, he was amazing. This is great. You two do it again, but watch him because he's doing it like this and the way he's doing this. And I would try and do it just 
everything that they were complimenting on. Still nothing. Uh, oh, you see how he did that? That was great. Uh, Who are you? Are you are you even in this class? <laughs> are you lost? Yeah. yeah. Are you lost little girl? It makes me so mad. Touch on like Corinne, like, which is so freaking, this is just how crazy this world is, dance world is. You got told, you know, you were short, you're stocky, that's why you weren't a dancer. And I got told in my third year interview that I was tall and muscular for that often wouldn't be chosen for contemporary dance. So I think like, how do you, how are you not, you're not the ideal dancer type. You're also the complete opposite, not the ideal dancer type. So unless you fit into this little like tiny, 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 tiny parameter, you're not going to be, you're going to be overlooked slightly, or you're going to be not thought about because you're not the exact body type that they're looking for in their dancers, which is a 110 pound small girl that they want to throw around. I'm right. doomed. I'm so doomed. <laughs> yeah. I don't and think who makes these rules. Me and my thighs have something to complain about. Who's making these rules that I have to be 110 pounds? It's not happening. But you want me to promote your stuff. Okay. I don't remember the last time I was 110 pounds. I was probably six. (laughs) 110? When they say they're 130, I'm like. (laughs) But I know my body doesn't make sense. My weight doesn't make sense. I know. I just know. Like if I stand up at dinner circle and told you I'm 170, you'd be like, what? It's because you're a strong bitch. Yeah. I looked the same when I started university at 150, but somehow there's an extra 20 somewhere. I don't know. I pin the same clothes. I I don't know. My body doesn't make sense. It's in here. Yeah. Some people are saying, (laughs) I actually was having a talk with a friend yesterday and she was saying, maybe it's all the tension you're holding. And I was like, that's it. I need to relax. <laughs> yeah. I need to relax and I'll have the ideal body weight for being a professional dancer. According to so-and-so's rules. Yeah. I don't want to work for. Um, so Krista, sorry, I had to think about what I was gonna fucking ask there for a second. Um <laughs> the general thing that we've been talking about is how you know you wanna you wanna change the community, you wanna make it better. There's this application that you're developing, this website. And there has been so many changes that me and Corinne haven't been there for, to experience. We have lived in Toronto for five to six years now. Mm-hmm. And obviously the community has changed. It sounds like the community has changed a lot just in these past six years. So when we left, I mean, I can only speak from like me and Corinne's experience. We, I mean, we're definitely there. It didn't seem like there was a ton of companies hiring didn't see like there was any really community classes that were happening. There wasn't this um, calendar or application. The only additions were really, really tiny, tiny additions that might happen. And it was always for, you know, main stage or um, what are the other additions that you could do? There was a few other additions. Ignite, maybe like fluid festival, that sort of thing. Right. because you've lived there for the past, you know, six years that we haven't been there, what have you noticed is the biggest change to now? There's a lot more smaller groups and independent artists reaching out to do their own thing and they're not hesitating to do it. That's the biggest thing I've noticed is instead of what big company can I be a part of, what can, where can I go to be paid as an artist? There's more people that are just, okay, I want to do this let's make an Instagram, let's make a website, put the information out there, send it to Dance YYC. 
And that's pretty much all that they need to do in order to find some people. So basically, because Dance YYC is just anyone who is an enthusiast to a professional, it's for you. So they know that if they want to send something in, they're going to find that right audience without having to fight with algorithms. But yeah, that's the biggest thing is that independent artists and smaller companies and are just emerging and they're not holding back. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I've noticed. Yeah. And, and it does like just from looking at it, you know, from the outside, seeing online content, seeing what other people who I graduated with are doing, it does feel like there, there is more things happening, which I attribute to all of these like recent graduate classes. Mm -hmm. I don't really attribute to the people that had been there for years and years and years. Um, and I'm happy that like these, you know, these people are developing and making the community better for them. Because I remember a big thing when I left, there was a bunch of things going out that people were always leaving the community because there wasn't, you weren't staying and investing your time. And I, and I feel like I got that a lot. Like, you're not going to stay here and help make it better for, you know, here. Um, and, you know, the, my response is always like, well, this isn't really where I live. This was never really my community to make mm -hmm. better. But I am happy that there seems to be these community changes happening because people have finally stepped up to the plate and been like, this needs to change. Yeah. This needs to get better. And I'm going to be the person to make it better. hundred percent. And it's not even just in terms of making art, like Pivot YYC is still fairly new and they help artists tremendously and help guiding them in things that weren't taught to us in university. So I had a nice, almost two hour long conversation with Alyssa from there a few weeks ago. And because she has knowledge in business and dance, like these are the people that are in the community that have the knowledge that these people that have been teaching the community for years and years just don't have. Right. And there's a lot of gaps in my knowledge that I realized from university. I was like, hey, does anyone have this information? Because I sure don't. And luckily there are people in the community that do. And those are the people that are also emerging and starting their own thing. The thing with art is there's no limit. Like you don't just have to be a dancer. You don't have to just be a teacher or a choreographer. There's so many different avenues that you can get involved with. Like I'm in two other organizations that aren't mine, one national, one local. Like there's other things that you can be involved with to help build your own career as an artist. Mm -hmm. And that's also something that's happening is there's a lot of creative avenues that are coming up. That's not just, I'm a choreographer, I'm a dancer, I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting to hear. Because I think that's something also that we struggled with, that I struggled with like right out of school is like, what else am I if I'm, or what am I if I'm not a dancer, yeah. right? And you kind of get like pegged into this box. I think school like helps that a little bit. You get like pegged in a little bit about, this is what you have to do to be a professional artist. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, maybe 20 years ago, have you tried, <laughs> have you tried to be a professional artist lately? <laughs> no, because you have tenure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a different world when you're outside of university. Yeah. I, how much? Man. Because I mean, I think that maybe I'm wrong in saying this. I think a lot of the dancers who are living in Calgary and who are working, I would I would say over 80% all went to school in Calgary. And there's really only those two streams, the University of Calgary and the DJD stream, right? So how do you think that affects the community when every dancer that's coming out or every dancer that's there has all had the same teachers, the same training, the same um, experiences? How is it affecting the community in general? I think a lot of the uh, DJD people are gone. A lot of them tend to leave after the professional training program. 
because if they don't get into the company then it's like well that's kind of why I did it so I guess I got to find it somewhere else which like never happens right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not for me anyway <laughs> I'm not in it <laughs> yeah I don't see anyone in there that I was in PTP list no wait there was at one point I don't know if she's still in it yeah. but uh the thing about university, <laughs> some people have moved away, some people are still around, and I tried to utilize what I know the program was to help kind of raise up the community. So this recent uh, festival that we're planning, the Next Gen Festival, to mm -hmm. showcase dancers 9 to 18 years in a dance film format, I at least know that everyone who graduated from UFC has that dance in the camera class under their belt. Yeah. So as I'm reaching out to studios, I'm like, ask your teachers, because if they went to UFC, they have that knowledge and they can do this for your kids. Mm -hmm. That's fucking smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have wow. my moments, guys. I'm telling you, give me money. <laughs> I know Girl, what I'm, I'm doing, I swear. Yeah. Never doubted you. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I had such an interesting, um, and this is a bit of a story time, but moment with um, that dance for camera class, because that, listen, that transfer camera class is fucking helpful. I will give them that. Like that is, I feel like they were a few steps ahead on that. Like they were like on it. I obviously did my master's the past two years. And one of the classes that we have to do is dance video. And it's an option class for the actual like undergrad students at the university to do is the dance for camera. And my supervisor, Freya, was the teacher for dance for camera. And I remember she brought me in during a meeting one time and she was like, are you actually getting anything from this class? Because for like basically the whole class, I was like, my, my plate is so full. I have so many papers to write. I'm trying to do my thesis. I would just be like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't know what, what any of this means. This is so strange. And meanwhile, I had like fully done the course before. <laughs> I'm just like submitting projects, like just like, bah, bah, bah. Um, and <laughs> She was like, are you actually getting anything? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And um, she was like, really? Because I, I went into the University of Calgary website and I looked into what the outline was for the video camera. And it seems like it's exposed. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I should have said something like, but I looked at her and I was like, um, yeah, I mean, and she just never mentioned it again. She just wanted to make it known that I that she was aware that I had been redoing kind of the same class. <laughs> and then and I just was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I think the only thing she said was, uh, just make sure that I have a higher standard for your work then, which was obviously makes you try a little bit harder because you realize that you're not going to be marked at the same level because you've already done the course, which is completely fair. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that dance video course is, I think, something that the university really did a good job at jumping ahead and pulling and teaching everybody. Yeah, I also just realized that one of my dismissive moments was in that class, but it wasn't from a teacher. Yeah. And it was, I don't want to say it's my fault, but I was very quiet when it came to people bashing me in public. So there was a moment where uh, there was a trio type project and the person that I was dancing for, she completely threw me under the bus unnecessarily because she got a comment on her video that there wasn't enough choreography because she didn't have any choreography ready for her project. So what was in the video was what me and the other partner had come up with on the spot for her. 
And she said, she lied. She straight up lied and said, I had a bunch of choreography ready, but Krista wasn't whimsical enough to execute it. I sat there and took it. I wish I didn't, but I sat there and took it. I just let it happen. It was a blatant lie that she said in front of my face to the class, to the professors, and I let it happen. You just sat there and you didn't, you didn't speak say, up. Because my first thought was, oh, I can't just lie or I can't just say, well, you didn't have anything because this is her project. <laughs> and I didn't want to, I don't know, I guess I didn't want to get her in trouble for not being prepared for her project. Right. But you're grown and you should be prepared for your project when people come over to film mm. and dance for you. So kids, stand up for yourselves. If someone says you're not whimsical enough, show them you're whimsical and put on your Disney princess dress. <laughs> I wasn't whimsical enough for her for this choreography that she didn't have ready. Yeah. Um, what was the- Just another dance in the camera story. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, the class was great. Yeah, <laughs> and I really enjoyed I liked it. it. It's actually like what made me want to make dance films. Yeah, if I was going to take my master's, it's kind of in the back of my brain, but that's what I would pursue. There's a school in London. If I was going to pursue my master's, I would go that route, is dance in the camera. Heck yeah. What was the moment you realized that you needed to stand up for yourself? What did it happen within the dance community where you just said, I had enough? Or did it happen in a, a long therapy session that that's where mine comes from? <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's, it's been a process. It's definitely been a process. It's fairly deeply ingrained in me to just kind of take it on the chin because I'm always wrong, but I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely been a process, especially going through the community. Um, it became a lot more shocking the older I got because I'm a grown woman, right. but that happens even today. Like a few weeks ago, I got berated by a quote unquote boss and yeah, it was crazy but step one of you know calling people out on that sort of stuff is finding my own calm because I also realized that responding in anger or that sort of thing it takes me to a place that is not beneficial for me I don't like it that was it's not uh, a place that I want to be acting from it's not who I am so that was step one is kind of taking control of my angry side because acting out of that just wasn't beneficial to me or to anyone. But yeah, it's definitely been a process of being able to kind of stop people in their tracks and say, recognize I'm a grown woman. I'm 28. You don't have to talk to me like a child, first of all. Second of all, you don't have any authority over me. You're not my mom. You are not my dad. Yeah. If you have a problem, take it up with them. I don't know. Send a report because <laughs> yeah. I'm not listening to it. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a process and I'm recently in therapy and that is helping. So just explore and find what helps to kind of cater to what feels lacking in yourself, I guess. Did it, did it feel to either of you, this is for both of you, that your experience that you look back on now, and I know lots of this comes with maturity and getting older, but do you feel like a lot of your experiences when we talk about, um, you know, disregard, professors making insane statements, um, people saying insane things, students in class making, calling you out for something that was their fault. Does it feel like a lot of this would now be considered bullying? And do you think that these experience would, experiences would be tolerated now? No, I feel if I wrote down everything that happened to me and who did it, I could quote unquote cancel them. There's a lot of things that I could say about people in the community in all aspects. Totally. But 
I don't know if that's my position to expose people. Mm -hmm. I just kind of let people see how they are acting and determine mm -hmm. on their own, but I'm not about to put it on the internet or anything. No. I do think that it wouldn't be tolerated right now if it was seen. I think that's something that we're learning with uh, the Britney Spears documentary and videos coming out mm -hmm. of Lindsay Lohan's old interviews is that if we bring this stuff back up, people are not going to take it lying down. They're going to see, they know better now that mm -hmm. this is not how you should be acting or treating people. Yeah. That's what I think. Corinne? Uh, <laughs> I... I think I'm in the same boat as you, Krista. Like I, I also think our experiences are very different. Um, I don't, I don't know if it would be tolerated, but I also don't think that I would also like cancel anybody. Yeah. I'm like, no. I think that there's like, obviously people are allowed to learn and change and grow. And mm -hmm. so I would hope that those people do that. And I yeah. hope that they would become better for it. Um, but it's also interesting because when I like look back, I also don't know what I would change about my experience. Mm. Um, right? Like I think it's was integral to who I am and it really like carved out a piece of me that's like, I no longer take that kind of bullshit. Mm -hmm. I am very, try to be very clear with the things that I want in my life. And it also made me realize things that I don't want. Mm. Right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And yes, what I had liked better teachers, <laughs> yes. What I had, le had liked a better university experience? Yes. Mm. Um, did it make me realize that I would rather be like behind the camera and producing work and making projects happen rather than being on stage? Yeah, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I also just think it made me realize the type of people that I like to be around and don't like mm -hmm. to be around. Like, 100%. Very clear. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also one of the biggest reasons why I left Calgary. I was like, and maybe that was like an impulse, immature decision, but like, I was like, this community is not for me. Mm. I don't fit in here. The type of dancer I am is not here. The type of work I want to do is not here. And so I went and like found that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I 100% agree. I wouldn't, yes, university was traumatizing, but I wouldn't change it. Like I met the people yeah. that invited me to the audition for the tomorrow's. It was through that that I found the opportunity to dance in Africa, which was a huge turning point for my dance career and my training. That was great. There was just so many things that came out of it that wouldn't have happened if I didn't go to UFC, even though the dance program that I experienced was a bit traumatizing. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't change it. Like it is, it is what it is, and I am who I am because of it. I would probably have dance while I see if it wasn't for UFC telling me that this is the community and you better get used to it <laughs> then I wouldn't know that things needed to change I don't know what I don't know so if they didn't straight up say hey I don't know if this is gonna happen for any of y'all <laughs> I don't know if I could have ever thought hey there's enough for people to make it yeah and right you're not helping so I'm gonna help <laughs> that's so right. true I think it's also like not helpful to look back and regret something yeah mm. You know, you can like be like, that sucked and, and take it as a learning experience. Mm -hmm. But I think it's not helpful for your mental health and for like moving on with your life to just like look back and constantly regret things, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think it's- I don't remember a lot of my fourth year. I think so too. I think- I, I mean, remember a lot of the good stuff. Any of the good yeah. things that happened, I can recall. Like a lot of good memories, which happened to be not 
on campus. <laughs> like a lot of the memories I have during work here, like rehearsals outside of the university. Yeah. That happened outside of it. Yeah. But yeah, I still remember great times. And yeah, totally. I don't regret really anything if I think back on my university days. It was just unfortunate that it happened to me in that way, but it is what it is. And I did what I did with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's important that we, we concentrate on how to like, not have that happen for people that are coming after us. Oh right? yeah. Yes. Exactly. How can That's we... why I'm always hesitant to talk about my university stuff. I'm like, remember, this is just me. If you're asking, this is just me. Everyone's experience is different, but this is us. So this is what it was for me. And this <laughs> is an option. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I also find that very funny because I also don't really remember a lot of things in university. And Rainy will like tell stories and I'll be like, nope. She's like, don't you remember that one class with that one person and this happened? I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. Straight up nope. <laughs> sick. I think it's because my trauma didn't happen until right after I graduated. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> but there was one rehearsal in Surge that I remember. Well, I guess it was a two-day thing. But there was one choreographer that we were working with and you were there was some sort of slide on the floor and you were wearing shorts. So you weren't sliding your leg on the floor. And she was like, well, maybe you should just wear pants to rehearsals. If you know, you're going to do this. The next rehearsal, you were still, still in shorts and doing a little hop with that. I was like, you wear what you want and you do what you want. <laughs> she yeah, will slide on the that. stage, but for now she's not going to rip her skin off. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I think that, I mean, there's like a lot. I did like, love my, I liked my university experience. Obviously there was moments that were really hard. And like we said, like really traumatizing that we definitely all black out. But uh, I mean, I think also at one point you just have to realize that like, this is like who I am, you know? And I am not gonna let you bully and talk shit about other people or like do shit to other people that if I see something happening a rehearsal that you, that your a professor's like saying or someone's saying I'm gonna be like that's not okay you know like I don't yeah. I'm just not gonna let that happen and especially at that point when we were in surge in that like second year I was just kind of like no no you know <laughs> I'm not ripping my skin off for this not, not doing that <laughs> not today not today Mary <laughs> I feel like I feel like we should say what surge is because no one knows what we're talking about right now oh yeah the word <laughs> It was just a company outside of the university for pre-professional dancers that we were all in together one year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, we, it was like, what, 12 hours a fucking week or something? And like, we paid to be in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> paid a lot. Yes. Paid a lot and worked a lot. God. <sighs> I'm like holding back if I should continue speaking. Or if I, should... <laughs> I know, that's a lot of my <laughs> It's all right. How should we take that? <laughs> Interesting. It's nice. more things I could say about Surge, but now we put it out there of what they are and how you can find them. <laughs> <laughs> them I, this is what I will say was in, is interesting to me about Surge. We were all dancing together. It, this is like something we always joke about me and Corinne, especially because we're such good, like we're best friends. <laughs> and like, this is something we could even say now too about, about you as well, Chris, is that Surge, we didn't like all, we weren't all like chummy, you know, like we weren't all best friends. Nope. Um, but like now we can mutually look back on that experience and we've become friends because of what happened in Surge. Yeah. 
and at the university. But it is interesting to think about like we were all we like we said we're rehearsing 12 hours plus a day together and that's not including maybe the years that we were in university together as well and we weren't really as chummy or as friendly as we are now but it is interesting how you find these people later on in your life once you're taken out of the taken out of the environment yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of the ex the traumatic experience <laughs> Now yes. we can all laugh about it. We all trauma yeah. bond over it. Yes, <laughs> strong, independent women's. Yeah. But I'm keeping an eye on everything because that's part of this thing that I created is that I have to keep an eye on what everyone's doing in all sorts of places, whether I know them or not, and see what's going on. I'm keeping an eye on the community and everything that's going on. So I know a bit of what everyone's doing because it's part of my work. <laughs> yeah. We just have one more question for you, really, Krista, before you... Is this the time? <laughs> Is can it I the ask, time, Corinne? Can I ask one more thing first? Yeah, for sure. And like your hopes and dreams, Krista, what do you imagine for your app and, your, and the community of Calgary? For my app, that it gets launched before June. Mm, cool. Timeline. That everyone, all it would take is for people to use it and it'll be beneficial. Mm. That's all it takes. Is for people because it's a very useful tool that I'm going to say we've created because it's a lot of community feedback and input that we've created that it that it's going to work. That nothing like just use it. (laughs) That's all you have to do. It's such it's like a key tool to help everyone from enthusiasts to professionals, organizations, everything in between. It has all the essential tools without feeling like it's too much and overwhelming. So that's my dream is that it just gets launched before June and people use it because that's all it would take Yay. for it to thrive. I love yes. that. That seems realistic. It. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I like making yeah. things very simple. Everything's in a calendar format. You just got to click. You can buy the tickets right there. Like it's so easy. All you got to do is just do it. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Krista, is being an artist fucking killing you? Oh, this is a dream come true. <laughs> I've been waiting to hear that question. Um, listening to you guys, I always have a different answer. But at this point in my life, I would say being an artist isn't necessarily killing me, but pursuing art where I am is fucking killing me. Mm. But being an artist has definitely saved me time and time again. I would not be where I am or who I am if it wasn't for artistry that's living in me but yes trying to be an artist in this community can fucking kill me and I mean I give you props I wouldn't be able to to be there it's not easy (laughs) I really and I, I give everybody there who's like like I said give it making it so much better and evolutionizing the way that art is there and dance is there I think it's great what you're yeah. doing what other people are doing younger the new generation is doing is is wonderful but I know that I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it there yeah I'm excited to see where this place goes in the next five years because it's it's not going to be the same no be great. Mm-hmm. thank you so much thanks Krista so nice so talking to you so I know you guys <laughs> everybody listening I'm sure it was a little giggly and fun but because we just it's we it's like talking to people that you went to university with it's just fun and you get giggly and talking about things so 
Thank you all for listening so much. Um, if you liked what you heard, if you had any questions, check us out, send us a DM, send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, anywhere you want, really check us out on Patreon. We always, always, always need sponsors. You can donate $1 to $20 a month, whatever you want. And it helps uh, us so much. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you next week. Before we go, Krista, if people want to find you or Dance YYC or donate or support, where can they go? You can find me on Instagram at offfiddlesticks. You can find Dance YYC at www.danceyyc.ca or dance.yyc on Instagram. You can donate, you can buy merch, you can take a virtual online class and pay the teacher. <laughs> we have some of those available as well. And we will have membership options up pretty soon. And if you're interested in sponsoring the app, just send us an email, info at danceyyc.ca. We're definitely willing to work with you. Sick. Yay. Awesome.